We pray that as we gather around it for a few minutes this morning, that you would bless us afresh. Help us to understand it and to hear it and to obey it. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I say, it's really uh, really good to see everybody. And um, I'm sorry that church is a little bit cold at the moment. Um, we are a couple of heaters down because of the building work. Um, and also, um, in a rush of enthusiasm in the summer, um, I turned all the pilot lights off in the, uh, in the heaters because they was, that was using gas, you see. And I thought, well, I'll turn the pilot light off. We'll use less gas. It'll be less money, and it's better for the environment. Okay? So, and of course, I can't get one of them back on now. So with this heater here, which would actually be very useful, warming everybody up on this side of the church, doesn't currently work. And if there's anyone sitting there thinking, I could have told you that, Tom, all right? You were right, okay? And I was wrong, and I won't do it again, okay? But at the moment, it's a bit chilly in church. So I'm really sorry about that. And I know there's nothing to do with the sermon, but I'm conscious that it's chilly. So please know it's on my heart. I'm feeling guilty. Everything's going to be all right. Okay? Great. We've been listening together to this letter to the Corinthians, this first of Paul's two letters to this church in this place called Corinth, um, which is uh, in Greece uh, and was an important uh, sort of trading post, an important place uh, where um, merchants tended to do a lot of business uh, and an important part of the ancient world. We know that Paul spent 18 months there, uh, preaching uh, both to Jews and to Gentiles, and at the end of that time, uh, the church was born. And uh, Paul went on on his travels, and uh, he wrote to them, wrote these two uh, long letters. And we are, as it were, listening in to one half of the conversation. It seems that they had written to him, asking him for advice, asking him for information, asking him about, you know, what does it mean now that we have uh, become believers, what does it mean to live together well as believers in Jesus? And uh, we get to hear Paul's replies, uh, and uh, they give us uh, lots of uh, really helpful insights, not just to what it was like being the church in the first century in Corinth, but what it could also be like to be the church here and now, 2023 uh, in Springfield. And, and this particular passage, uh, Paul starts now about the gifts of the Spirit or about spiritual things, brothers and sisters. So it seems to be uh, that Paul uh, was perhaps had their letter in front of them and they were asking him, what about uh, these spiritual things? What about these spiritual gifts? What's the right way uh, for them to be used? Uh, and, and Paul wants to respond and to, to teach them, to, 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 to help them to grow in their understanding. Um, he says, I do not want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to know uh, what the right use 
of these things is. And he does start by saying this slightly strange sentence. He says, you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. It seems that there was a lot of idol worship uh, in the church in, uh, in, the, in Corinth before they became believers. Uh, and Paul is saying, look, this is what you were, and now things have changed. And the word he actually uses there for, for pagans is the same word that we would translate elsewhere in the Bible for Gentiles. You know that when you were Gentiles, when you were non-Jews, when you were outside the people of God, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray. And it's almost as if Paul takes it for granted that now they are part of the people of God. Whether they had been Jews or whether they had been Gentiles, now they're not like that anymore. They are part of the people of God. And of course, Paul is a Jew, brought up as a Jew. And so what he's saying here is something actually really important. Regardless of your background, you are now part of the chosen people of God. You are now an inheritor of the covenant promises. You belong to him. You are part of the people of God. Paul takes it for granted, and it's a really wonderful thing. Regardless of the background, regardless of how you may have worshipped in the past, now you belong to him. You are part of the covenant people of God. And he says, I want you to know. I want you to know something. No one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And you might be sort of scratching your heads thinking, well, that's a bit obvious, isn't it? That's a bit obvious. But actually, again, it's something really powerful and beautiful. If you can say, Paul is saying to the Corinthians, if you can say Jesus is Lord, and clearly by definition mean it, then the Holy Spirit is in you. You wouldn't be able to say it and mean it unless the Holy Spirit was at work within you. And you know, this is a glorious truth, isn't it? It's a glorious truth. If you can say Jesus is Lord, then God's Holy Spirit is already within you. It doesn't matter whether or not you can do certain things. Uh, later on in this passage, Paul will talk about the gift of tongues. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I think the gift of tongues is a wonderful thing. And I've uh, stood next to people who have worshipped using a tongue. And it's been some of the most beautiful thing I have ever heard. But in my sort of 40-odd years as a Christian, I've never spoken in tongues. Even when some very well-meaning Christians sat on either side of me and prayed really hard that I would speak in tongues. And I didn't. And by the end of it, I thought, I'm blinking, well, I'm not going to if you carry on like this. <laughs> I haven't done it. But I can say Jesus is Lord. The Holy Spirit is within us. If we can affirm Jesus is Lord, then the Holy Spirit is in us, as it was in them. 
And this is a beautiful and powerful truth. Now, don't misunderstand me. I know that elsewhere in, in his letters, Paul talks about being filled by the Spirit. He talks about the need to go on being filled by the Spirit. And we all know, don't we, that we can become very dry, we can become very barren, we can become very sort of uh, ritualistic in our faith. And we need to be drenched time and time again by God's Holy Spirit. I think it was Billy Graham who said, I need to be filled time and time again because I leak, he said. Yes, we can be filled. We should be filled. We should be asking to be filled. But if you can say Jesus is Lord, then the Holy Spirit is in you. And that is a deep and wonderful truth. I'm just going to leapfrog just a little part and, and I, I want us to spend just a few moments on, on this part here. If there was one thing I could ask you to take from this ser sermon this morning, it would be this first verse on this screen. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. It's 15 words in English. I did just check it in the Greek. Not that I could understand it terribly well, but I did just check. It's only 10 words in the Greek, okay? If you can say, Jesus is Lord, you have the Spirit in you. And if you have the Spirit in you, you have something to contribute to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Friends, this is actually revolutionary. As I said, Paul was a Jew, brought up as a Jew. We read in, uh, in Acts 22 that he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He would have been used to synagogue worship. He would have been used to one or two people telling you what the scriptures meant. The rabbi, the teacher, the, 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 the learned one. And here he is, Paul the Jew, who has become a believer in Jesus, a follower of the way. He is now saying the Spirit of God fills anyone who can say Jesus is Lord and fills them to the point where each one, each one has something for the common good. This is totally revolutionary. No longer is it one person telling everybody else Suddenly, it is everybody sharing together what the Spirit has given. One writer puts it like this. Each member of the church has a gift. None is excluded. And no member has his or her gift for their own private use. All are intended for the common good. In other words hierarchies and superiorities and pecking orders within the church are blown out of the water and a new reality is affirmed. If you have the spirit, you have something to contribute. And more than that, 
without your contribution, <coughs> the church, the body, will be impoverished. <coughs> because as we uh, probably all know, the second half of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul goes on to talk about one of his most famous pictures, the church as a body, the body of Christ. So can I say something very simple this morning? You are more important than you imagine. You are more important than you imagine. Why? Because to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And please notice where this verse starts, okay? Or perhaps notice where it doesn't start. And I say this uh, as, 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 as your vicar, okay? It doesn't start with a need or a job or a vacancy or a gap in a rotor, okay? It doesn't start there. It starts the other way round. It starts with the, each person. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. It starts with each one of us. What is my gift, my service, my role? What is it that that which God has given to me through the Spirit that I am to share for the common good? So not, here's a job that needs to be done, let's find somebody to fill it. What is that which God has given to me that I can then contribute? And actually, that's far more affirming and far more challenging because it says that each of us has something to give and each of us has something to contribute. Why? Because the Spirit has given it to us. Sometimes uh, in, in church history, uh, church thinking, the, the church is, is, is likened to a, a boat or a ship. And, I, and I, I want you to think, do you want to be on a cruise liner or an adventure yacht? Okay? Do you want to be on a cruise liner or an adventure yacht? On a cruise liner, most people do as little as possible, okay? I've never, hang on a minute, I've never been on a cruise liner, okay? I've never been on a cruise liner. And if there are people who go on cruises, can I just say amen to that, okay? You, you enjoy it, okay? I'm not, I'm not having to go at the cruise liner business, okay? But on a cruise liner, my assumption is that most people do as little as possible. And then there's a small number of people who are probably running around like scalded cats, trying to give them a nice time, okay? On an adventure yacht, everybody has a job to do. But you go to amazing places and you see amazing things and you do it all together. What picture of the church do you have? Do we have? Do we want to be a cruise liner where we invite people to just come and, 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 and be a passenger and then a small number of people run around? Or do we want to be 
an adventure yacht, going amazing places together, doing what we can only do when we pull everyone together. Now, please don't misunderstand me. You might be sitting there thinking, Tom, this sounds like a very long introduction to asking me to do something at church, okay? I know that there are many people in our church who are full-on giving everything that they can to their work, to a ministry that is beyond St. Christopher's, every ounce of their energy and their time, and frankly more than they have to give, is demanded by that workplace. Can I say, if you are one of those people, blessings on you. It is our job to pray for and support and to, to do whatever we can to, to, for you to know that your brothers and sisters are around you and want to strengthen you and want to work with you. And maybe your gift to the church is to say, look, all these other things are happening outside and the gospel is at work here and the kingdom is extending there. Please pray for me as I take the light of Christ into this work, into this school, into this hospital, onto that street. Your gift is to enable us to see how the kingdom of God is extending. To you, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good in a particular way. It's not about what you might do necessarily here at St. Christopher's. But let's just think about what Paul also says about the way the Spirit empowers if we say Jesus is Lord, then the Spirit is with us. If the Spirit is with us, each one of us has something to do, to give, to be, to share. What might it be? Paul gives this rather beautiful threefold definition, something which is sort of effortlessly Trinitarian. He says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of working, but in all of them, in everyone, it is the same God at work. It's a lovely sense of spirit, son, and father coming together in Paul's writing. First of all, to note very, very simply that there's lots of difference here. Different kinds of gifts, different kinds of service, different kinds of working. Variety, difference, diversity is written in, hardwired into the life of the people of God. We are not all the same. We should not all seek to do the same or be the same. It is not one size fits all. Another writer puts it like this, uniformity of experience and service is not to be expected. Unity lies ultimately in the spirit who gives, the Lord who is served, the God who is at work. 
we should be different from one another. We should look different. We should sound different. We should be different. Why? Because that is part of God's gift to us. And if we begin to look and sound and act all the same, then probably there is something wrong. Praise God for difference and diversity hardwired into creation and hardwired into the people of God. So what might Paul mean in these three very simple categories? Different kinds of gifts. It is perhaps helpful to think of gifts as natural and supernatural. Many people have natural gifts, don't they? It's, um, it's, a, it's a great joy for me to pop into the building uh, during the week and to see uh, Ernst and his colleagues at work uh, 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 doing our reordering. And uh, it's a great joy. But, you know, nobody ever asks me to pick up a tool. Okay, they really don't. And I praise God about that because it would be a disaster in a matter of moments, okay? It's a wonderful gift that he and they have and praise God for that gift. Singing, music, art, organization, conversation, hospitality, welcome, these natural gifts that God gives to us are such wonderful, wonderful things. If you know what, what God has given to you naturally, then use it. Be a blessing through it. But we also know there are supernatural gifts, aren't there? Sort of additional gifts which God gives to his people. Prophecy, healing, discernment, tongues, interpretation, words of wisdom, words of knowledge. Ask, what is it that the Lord seeks to give to you that you can then bless his church with? Gifts given by the Spirit. Paul talks about service. There are different kinds of service. Perhaps we can think about service in terms of public and private. Some service is very obvious, isn't it? And open. And it's good that it is. We think of Her Majesty the Queen, 70 years serving our nation. And yes, of course, incredibly privileged. And with lots of people around her and, 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 and enabling her to do what she did and, and you know, I know there are some good and godly people who don't agree with monarchy and all that kind of thing. That's fine. But over 70 years, she kept doing it, didn't she? And, although I never met her, she appeared to do it with incredibly good grace. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, opening things and doing stuff like that. It drives me mad. Drive me mad. How could anyone do that? 70 years, public, open, service, good, it's great. But you know, there can also be really quiet service. Something that perhaps others will never know about. When I was a, a student, I, I, I got to know uh, a chap who was a librarian. Don't really know why I got to know him, but I, I got to know this chap. And, and he was every inch 
a librarian, okay? Sort of tall and thin and, and, and big, thick sort of milk bottle glasses um, and just seemed to spend all his time with books, okay? And, and um, I remember thinking that he was odd, okay? He was, he was a Christian, my brother, but I remember thinking he was quite odd. One night, I met him out late. I mean, that's late for me, okay, past 10 o'clock, all right? Okay, I met him out late, and, and he, was, he was on a sort of street corner, and he was cold, and he was sort of wrapping his coat around him like this. Um, and I remember asking him, why? he was older than me, you know, I was a student, he wasn't. Um, and I asked him, why, why, why are you here? And he said, oh, my car's been impounded. And, um, and I said, well, why, why, that's a bit strange. Why has your car been impounded? And he said, well, whatever night it was. It was on a Monday night, I, 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 I helped with a soup run. And um, I've obviously parked in the wrong place. And my car's been taken away by the police. And as these words came out of his mouth, it was almost as if it was like a cartoon. And suddenly he became bigger and I began to shrink. I would never have thought that this tall, thin, gangly, big-glassed person who spent all his time with books would be out helping homeless people once a week on a soup run and he'd got his car impounded by the police. But he did. And by all accounts, he did it every week. Something quiet and private but very beautiful and very valuable. Service can be open and public. It can also be private and hidden. So there are gifts. There is service. There is also this working. There are different kinds of working. Some things that happen are really impressive, aren't they? You know, with lots of people and, and, and everything seems to be sort of thriving and going well and that's great. Other things, very small, very unimpressive. In some ways, perhaps, sort of very fragile. But God is at work and he is doing his thing. So we are listening to these words of St. Paul said to this church in Corinth, but beautifully and powerfully up to date. Firstly, the Spirit enables us to say Jesus is Lord. So we have the Holy Spirit within us. If we have the Holy Spirit within us, there is this beautiful and profound truth to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. You have something to give. You are more important than you imagine. Why? Because the Spirit of God is within you. And because the Spirit of God is within you, we have gifts, we have service, we have working. These words given to the church in Corinth a couple of thousand years ago, still have the power to turn things upside down. Friends, we're not in a cruise liner. 
we are on an adventure yacht where all of us have something to give and to do and to be. And by God's grace, he is leading us forward. Amen.